Hey guys, does capitalism have you down? Does the constant pressure to be productive get to you? Are you tired of being a cog in the machine? Then we invite you to be a part of the revolution against toxic productivity by embracing the useless things. Welcome to episode 59 of the Very Unimportant People podcast. Do less. I'm your host, Courtney, and this week I came up with a new little morning routine. Oh, ooh, fun. Mm. And I'm your host, Lydia, and this week... I have been living on only my phone's data, so only using Wi-Fi for absolutely necessary things, such as the podcast, such as class, and the rest of my time, I am free. (laughs) Ooh, how has it been? Has it been challenging? Has it been... Well, (laughs) it's been a little challenging, not gonna lie, Um, but also I'm starting to realize, like, how much of my time I spend just, like, kind of doing not not like super productive things and like also I found out that a lot of my time is being spent doing productive things because I found myself still pressed for time even though I was just doing the necessities which is school and work and like Mm. this stuff so I was like oh okay so I'm not crazy like I'm not just spending all my time on social media I'm genuinely busy so it was very like confirming it was nice Nice. to know that like I actually do have stuff going on and I'm not just like procrastinating by watching netflix or youtube or something like that although i do do those things but (laughs) other than that i mean it's been kind of nice like i've been spending less time on social media because it eats up Mm. my data and i need it for more important things um and yeah overall an okay experience i do miss Mm. having the internet but um yeah i mean it's okay for now I'm running running out of data though so <laughs> if I didn't have data I would be a lot more stressed I'd be like going to Tim Hortons like going to Starbucks and like trying to yeah are you recording the Wi-Fi. podcast right now over data yeah oh my god is that okay it's fine <laughs> like that's gonna use a lot of data <laughs> yeah maybe a little bit but it's okay, okay. <laughs> it's worth it and we're <laughs> okay. gonna be getting uh wi-fi soon probably so I hope so. We'll, we'll fi- we're figuring it out. There was like a whole situation and now we're trying to figure it out. We have to send back our router and get a new one. I don't even know what's going on anymore, to be honest. But <laughs> Being an Wi-Fi? adult is it's so complicated. It's so annoying. Like, why is everything so hard? And Wi-Fi is a necessity. So I don't understand why they make mm-hmm. it so goddamn difficult to get it. Like, I she need it to live. It's just in the air, too. Like, where is yeah. it? I don't, <laughs> I why know. is it so, so hard? I don't understand why they can't just drop off a new router, a new modem, and then we have Wi-Fi. Why like, do you I even need a new one? What is the problem? Because they're rented? Like, I don't even know. You, you Capitalism some, is just Something, something, worst. something. Mm-hmm. And now we have to, like, send it back to the company. And they're, like, giving us a shipping label and stuff like that. And then we have to buy another one. And we can't rent from the other company because they're using secondhand ones. So we have to buy it. So then Ooh. if we want to switch internet ever, we just have a random router that no one else is going to use because they have to rent out their routers because it's not compatible with their <laughs> system. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> it's just too much. Yeah. It's too much. Internet providers, it's too much. It should Stop. be easier. Just one it router. Should be free. Like everyone gets a router when they're free. born. Yeah. <laughs> and it just stays with you for the rest of your life. You now. are assigned a router like a SIN number. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just be careful. Part of your welcome it. package. Never lose it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh God, that'd be fantastic. So yeah. Well, What's your new you morning out. routine? Thank you. <laughs> <clears throat> well, I've been waking up early. And Good for you. I get up. Like an hour earlier, I make my coffee and then I get in the car and I drive to the beach and I walk on the beach and I watch the sunset 
<gasps> sunrise, not sunset. Sunrise. sunrise. You watch the sunrise. <laughs> sunrise oh in the morning. Oh my god! On the what beach. time do you wake up at? Seven. What? Like I normally wake up at eight, so it's not that oh. much of a sacrifice. And like it gets me outside, it gets me walking around. It's nice to have some like freshy fresh air in the morning, mm-hmm. and it's like so magical to watch the sunrise in the morning. That's so, so it's just amazing. Been so lovely, and there's so oh. many dogs out at that time. Dogs just running on the beach. Oh my god, they're just free in the mornings. They're just (laughs) running around. That's when everyone walks their doggos. So that's just me and the doggos running on the beach together, hand in hand. (laughs) I don't run, but yeah, (laughs) just just hanging. That sounds really, really, really nice. That's it's been lovely, amazing. You're so lucky to have a place too where the sun Mm. rises right over the ocean. That's amazing. When did you decide to start doing this? And why? On Tuesday of this week, because I saw a TikTok of somebody <laughs> who woke up early and went for walks in the morning because she said it helped with her anxiety just to like mm. get outside and get moving before she went to work. And like she also walked to the ocean. I think she was in California. And I was mm-hmm. like, that looks so nice and peaceful. Yeah. And to, like just bring your coffee with you and just like be all cozy and warm and on the I'm beach. I'm going to and... do this. That is nice. really nice. Yeah. That yeah. sounds amazing. Oh, that's so nice. And then you can, like, in my case, I would be, like, surrounded by all the commuters and, like, people rushing to work. But I wouldn't be rushing to work. I'd be like, I'm not a part of your rat race. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I just am out here for fun just to enjoy my life. Unlike you guys who probably woke up 20 minutes ago, crawled out of bed, and now you have to go (laughs) and do some stupid desk work. Damn. That sounds amazing. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like it's helped with your anxiety? I don't know. <laughs> I, <laughs> Too early not. to tell. <laughs> probably not, but it's a, oh, it's I'm nice. Sure it it's helps. a nice way to start the day. Yeah, 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 yeah. What matters is that it's helping. It. Is yes. that it's maybe helping. <laughs> it makes me feel good for yeah. that moment in time. Aww, you finally get to spend time at the beach. You're living our anti-capitalist dreams right now. That's crazy. except for the fact that I then leave the beach to go to my nine to five, but <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> That's the okay. point is, we you get a couple of seconds. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's like Fight Club when they mm-hmm. like do the fighting and then they go to their nine to fives. Your Fight exactly. Club is the beach. It's the beach. It's the <laughs> yeah. beach club. We don't talk about it. No, we don't talk about the beach club. <laughs> That's so cute. Mm. That sounds nice. Mm. Shall we get into opinions? Let's get into it. Yeah. So this week, I am starting off with my opinion and. This week, I'm talking about Santa, and specifically, like, maybe we shouldn't be lying to our kids about Santa. <laughs> I personally, Santa. As, <laughs> as, like, a not very festive person, err mm. on the side of maybe we shouldn't be lying to our kids about Santa, but there are many, like, pro people who are pro lying to your kids about Santa. So okay. I'm going to just give you some facts. I'll give you kind of both sides of the argument, and everyone can come to their own conclusion, but Love I don't that. think we should be doing it. I don't see a problem with it. I'm not going to lie. What's the well, issue with having kids believe in? We'll, we'll get into it. <laughs> okay. Scrooge, <laughs> <all>, the Grinch. <laughs> first of all, I'm just going to start off with like, where did the Santa Claus tradition even come from? Because it's yeah. like, it's, it's a Catholic convoluted. holiday. Mm-hmm. There's nothing in the Bible about an old man with a beard breaking into your home and giving your children <laughs> gifts. There's nothing in the Bible about he that. He magically appears. <laughs> he doesn't. He, he, does it. he goes down the... <laughs> Down the chimney. He literally yeah, breaks into so your fat. home. How could he fit down the chimney without magic? 
What? It's magic. I don't think that's part of the story. He doesn't magically. <laughs> I think he just goes down the chimney. I don't think magic helps him get down. Okay, fine. <laughs> so there's kind of like four different um, traditions that have all come together to create like what we understand now as the Santa Claus tradition. Um, so the first one is St. Nick or St. Nicholas. Um, this tradition can be traced back to 280 AD in oh Batara, which is modern day Turkey. Cool. Um, he was a monk. St. Nick was a monk and he was admired for his piety and kindness. Um, and it was said that he gave away all of his inherited wealth and traveled around helping the sick and poor. And the best known story was about him saving these like three poor sisters who were being um, sold into slavery or prostitution. Okay, not sure. It was Um, 288. They had both of those things. (laughs) (laughs) And he provided their family with a dowry so that they could be married. And I'm pretty sure in the story he puts it in their shoes which are outside and i don't know if any of you follow that tradition i did sometimes as a kid where you like put shoes outside and they fill them with candy yeah 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 yeah. yeah. i remember that i i never followed that tradition either but i know Mm -hmm. people like who did and i was like that's so weird yeah (laughs) right but it comes from the saint nick tradition and i think that might be where the whole stockings thing comes from as well oh it's the connection i'm drawing in my mind to that. For sure yeah. for sure because people didn't want to put their shoes outside anymore maybe you lived in the city maybe they got wet from the snow maybe just people <laughs> decided it was a little gross to eat yeah. food out of your shoes <laughs> Point. <laughs> um so the second story is father christmas and this is specific to like england the uk mm-hmm. Um, so it dates back to the 16th century, and it was pictured as a man wearing a green or scarlet robe, and they were lined with white fur. Ooh, getting close. Yeah. Getting closer to Santa. <laughs> and he represented the spirit of Christmas um, and was said to bring peace, joy, good food, and wine. And he was believed oh. <laughs> to, like, walk around and, like, sprinkle the joy of Christmas everywhere on That's Christmas so Eve. That's so sweet. Yeah. Free wine? Well, let's go. I mean, he didn't baby. like. He was more like an idea. He wasn't. <laughs> I was an gonna say. Person. It's so funny that like the spirit of Christmas. It's like peace, joy, love, togetherness. Like, <laughs> okay, those are all wine. spiritual things. Wine, like get lit. I love it. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> Just throw that in there, man. They shouldn't have lost that in modern day Santa. I feel like I that know. that is one that should have stayed. Free wine. Yes, the wine. <laughs> free wine. <laughs> Damn it. Hundred percent. Um, so the next one is with the Dutch, Belgium, and Swiss people, and it is the character of Sinterklaas, which if Sinterklaas. any of you are fans of The Office, you probably already know about Sinterklaas because on oh. Christmas, <laughs> Dwight comes dressed up as Sinterklaas, not Santa Claus. Yes. <laughs> um, and Sinterklaas is based on the figure of Saint Nick. But, like, specific to those regions. And he still remains the prominent gift giver in many of their households. So they don't actually teach about Santa Claus. They teach about Sinterklaas. Interesting. (laughs) It's, like, the same. It's the same-ish. I feel like it's just Santa Claus. In a different language. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly how I feel, too. (laughs) Sinterklaas. I like that. Um, We translated it. And made it worse. (laughs) literally (laughs) and then there's the final uh tradition of the germanic people which is prior to christianization the germanic people celebrated midwinter a midwinter event called yule oh which sounds familiar yule time people say that yes yes Mm -hmm. yes my friend was telling me about yule the other day um but she was using it as 
like a anti-Catholic um, kind of like spiritual mm-hmm. roots, kind of paganist-ish thing yeah. of the Yule and like of kind of celebrating that instead of like celebrating some sort of like Catholic-y thing. That's kind of what it is because it is prior mm. to like the Christian tradition and it was believed during this period that like supernatural and ghostly occurrences um, <gasps> increased in frequency during that That's so cool. So it's kind I of like that. hybrid that so Halloween sense. and Christmas. Oh, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> hybrid Halloween. <laughs> and um, in this tradition. <laughs> Sorry, hit the buffer for a second. <laughs> yeah, I was I What's the good one? What's the other way? <laughs> Hallow mess didn't work. Chris Weed. <laughs> Chris Weed. Right. Good, good, good work. Chris Weed. <laughs> um, and in the tradition, there was a god known as Wooden, who had a long white beard and a gray horse, and he rode in the sky visiting people and giving them gifts. And this uh, literally sounds exactly like Santa. Yeah. So it's kind of believed that, like, all of these four traditions kind of came together and created the modern time tradition of Santa Claus, who is a jolly old man dressed in red and white who Mm -hmm. slides down your chimneys and gives your children gift on Christmas. And most parents keep up this lie. They lie to their kids about it and keep it up for very many years. Mm -hmm. And, And most often kids find out about Santa Claus not being real before their parents actually tell them. Yeah. Which I think is, like, a major point in the anti-lying-to-your-kids-about-Santa argument because your kids learn that you blatantly lied to them about something very important for many <laughs> years and denied it for many years and kept up this whole facade, like, created yeah. this whole facade that this thing was real when it wasn't. And, like, Aww. when you're young, you trust your parents a lot. So, so this much. can be, like, really upsetting to a lot of yeah. kids. And also, like, the internet exists now, which I think makes it, like, a little bit more risky <laughs> to yeah, be doing this. Like, because they can literally Google it. Totally. Is Santa is real? Santa, and, and it's going to be like, no. will be like, no. Unless you have, like, a child-safe browser, <laughs> then maybe it'll be like, yeah, totally. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. But, I mean, <laughs> I'm know? pretty sure if you Google that, like, is Santa real, you'll probably get the same resources that came up when I Googled, like, mm. lying to your kids about Santa, which is, like, how to lie to your kids about Santa. Oh, <laughs> Your kids are to break the truth you can put two and two together oh that's pretty sad and then Mm. also on the opposite end of that but on the same end of it the Mm. kids learn to lie to their parents because when i found out Mm -hmm. i did not tell my parents i was like what if the gifts stop coming (laughs) it's true it's true and they've actually done studies at this and that um, kids that are lied to by their parents are more likely to lie back to their parents. So it creates a relationship of dishonesty. Yeah, And it's proved to be higher levels of maladjustment, which is the inability to react successfully and satisfactorily to the demands of one's environment. So it just makes you oh. unable to adjust to your environment. Not specifically <gasps> oh like the God. Santa Claus lie, but yeah. in general, lying to your kids mm. does damage them wow. and does make thought? them better liars. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? (laughs) (laughs) And that's like one of the biggest arguments against it is the whole like dishonesty thing. Um, They say that the belief in Santa is something that kids grow out of, but dishonesty is not. Oh, Um, (laughs) shit. That's painful. That burns, man. Oh, man. I wonder if kids are more likely to rebel if they were lied to about Santa. (laughs) Maybe. (laughs) Like, I'll lie too. (laughs) And Robert Feldman, who was a professor of psychology at the University of Massachusetts, 
Um, Good job. Good job with the word. (laughs) Thank you. And he's been studying lying for many years. And he says that kids actually grow into lying as they get older. Um, They're Mm -hmm. really terrible at it in first grade. They're kind of okay at it by seventh grade. And then by college, they're amazing at it. And the reason why they get so good at it is because it's modeled behavior in their parents. Whoa, that's deep. So they've been watching their parents lie to them for their whole lives about like anything. Mm -hmm. Santa finances their marriage <laughs> i don't know that like how deep it so goes deep. i was thinking like, about like the easter bunny oh the right tooth the tooth fairy. fairy yeah my bad my bad but you know if they're lying to them about those things yeah. like that dishonesty like you were saying it carries it creates, through like yeah, maybe they're like, like what's true? okay santa's what's not, not real but what else like maybe money's yeah. not real you know yeah. maybe like turning 21 and going to college isn't real either like who knows <laughs> it's not <laughs> real <laughs> I wish it wasn't. (laughs) I know, right? Um, And then there's another study at the University of California, San Diego campus, that found that preschoolers that had been lied to by the experimenter and then, like, found out that they were lied to were more likely to cheat on a test directly after. Oh, they found out that they were lied to and lie about it. So they would like peek at somebody else's paper and then somebody would be like, hey, did you just peek at their paper? And they'd be like, no, I didn't. Oh, my God. So it was like immediate effects of being lied to. Finding out that you've been lied to makes you better. Totally. It makes it okay to do. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, great. Okay. So this is the environment that I'm in. We lie in this environment. Okay. Yeah. That's. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's such a good point. That's such a good point. Man, I just can't stop thinking about how, like, I, I found out that Santa wasn't real. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to tell my parents. But my brother found out, like, at the same time as me. And he told yeah. them, like, right away. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. I was like, Oliver, what the – what are you doing? They're not going to give us presents anymore. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was like, ha, ha, I found out. <laughs> yeah. Um, About 84% of parents in the U.S. lie to manipulate their kids. And that's not specific uh. to the Santa Claus thing. <laughs> that is just, in general, 84% right. of their parents lie to their kids to manipulate them. Oof. <laughs> it's kind of weird. It's kind of rough. Yeah, I feel like lying to manipulate them doesn't, like, make them want to do what you say any more or less. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> And that's, like, also come back a around huge about, yeah. issue that I have about the Santa Claus thing and about the Santa Claus lie is that, yes, it's, like, cute and fun for the magic of Christmas, but there's also a very uh, weird aspect to it where it is directly lying to your kids to manipulate their behavior throughout the year because there's this whole issue of Santa is spying on your kids. Yes. He sees you when you're sleeping. He knows he when knows you're awake. When you're awake. <laughs> he knows That's if creepy. you've been bad or good. So be good for goodness sake. Dun, dun, dun. So yes, that is very creepy. The and fear we... of God. Yes. <laughs> the fear of yes, Santa. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, I literally it? wrote down, I said, it gives me very toxic religion vibes. Oh! Somebody is always <laughs> watching you. And that, as I was growing up, that was the creepiest concept to me about, like, God and Santa Claus was that somebody was always watching me. Like, I literally can remember as a child being paranoid when, like, I was alone. I did something yeah. being like, oh, they're watching. They know that I did that. Oh, and, like, that's so creepy for a yeah, child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially like an old man watching you. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> that yeah. adds another layer to it. The patriarchy? <laughs> just creepy. <laughs> oh, I just don't trust men. <laughs> yeah, me neither. Me neither. Like, but like yes, the patriarchy instilling, too. <laughs> instilling like men are watching and like, yes. you know, you have to obey men and like the yes. man in the corner of the room is yes. the one who's making all the calls and who's telling you what's good and what's right and what's not. You have to be a good girl. Lit girl. <laughs> <laughs> or the man will see. So oh, it's creepy. It's creepy. So creepy. It's creepy, and I, I personally think it's damaging to children in both the religious yeah. environment and in the Santa Claus environment. If we could r- ruin yeah. that whole part of it, that would be lovely. And like parents mm-hmm. always use it as yeah a way to manipulate their children. They'll be like, "Don't do that because you're not gonna get presents for Christmas." Yeah, or like you'll get coal for Christmas if you yeah like, if oh, you're well, bad. If you did this something will happen. Wrong. Yeah, yeah. And like yeah. maybe you should just like parent your kids. I don't know. <laughs> threaten them. So, don't threaten them with a man that's always watching them. Yeah, Creepy. literally. This is like a bigger issue maybe too about like teaching them how to be integrated into society and like follow laws, for example. Like mm. if you don't do this specifically, then Big you will brother. be punished. Yeah, mm. right? Something like that. Like teaching you that there's consequences for your actions. Although that could be a good thing like teaching you that there's consequences if you're not like nice or if you kick a dog then you will get coal because that's not a good person thing to do because you're harming something yeah, but right? i feel like you should just teach kids that's not a good thing to do like don't kick a dog it hurts the dog yeah instead of making it up feel with bad. a threat not see like... the threat right now is coal but in the future the threat is jail or a fine <laughs> <laughs> or something like that yeah, like it all comes circling back <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's like <laughs> yeah, a bigger lesson lesson on compliance because, yeah. in all honesty, I'm personally, when I was a child, I was very nervous about the fact that somebody was always watching me, like Santa or God. Um, and now that I'm an adult, I have so much anxiety about doing something wrong, mm, even if it's just God. like a little, a U-turn on an empty street. Yeah, I'm terrified of doing it because you I feel like it. somebody will see me. I'm so scared of breaking rules because I feel like I also feel like I have very bad luck and like the times that I have broken rules I normally get caught (laughs) doing it just because I think I'm bad at doing it like I'm the most suspicious person ever I'm like I'm I'm so nervous about it oh my god maybe maybe it stems a little bit from this whole Santa Claus thing totally and god totally. thing someone's already someone's always watching you of course if that was like a if big you're not good in every moment in your childhood like it's crazy that you remember you the presents. anxiety and you're like oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah it is creepy and at that point it wasn't even really about the presence anymore it was just about having someone creeping on watching you me yeah <laughs> you gotta be alone sometimes guys you gotta have some freedom with just yourself something mm-hmm. that only you need to know yes yes <laughs> not the man in the sky <laughs> Um, and kind of like on the same thought, it also teaches children to suppress their emotions, um, referencing back really? to some lovely carols, but you better watch out. You better not cry. You better not oh. pelt. I'm telling you why. Um, oh, if you I express these that. completely range of emotions, completely normal range of emotions that all children have, you might get cold for Christmas. Whoa. If your brother steals your toy and you get angry instead of like teaching, a child had to deal with that anger in the right way. Sorry, you might get cold for Christmas. They're like, just shut up. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Shut the fuck up, bitch. <laughs> Don't cry. You're going to get cold. 
yeah. which is oh really wow i never him. even thought about that that is oh that's kind of sad i think that that creates some um, avoidant attachment styles if we want to really drain <laughs> it back because if you're not allowed to express your emotions in a healthy way yeah. and if like your emotions aren't recognized by anybody uh you could just learn that it's bad to have emotions and then you will never have any depth there you go and kids have like really big emotions huge and i don't think it's something we should be discouraging from kids like mm-hmm. i think that they mm-hmm. should go through their emotions interesting it's okay it's okay to have emotions y'all yeah 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 it's okay to throw temper tantrums every once in a while you yeah know? yeah it's fine some kids are some kids are freaking crazy though some of yeah, them some I, are very dramatic some they yeah. need the fear of god not <laughs> <laughs> the fear of god oh, no. <laughs> but it might not work that's the thing is that like i yeah. feel like there's also an opportunity to rebel there against like the person who's watching because if they're they like doing bad things because it gives them like attention for example then Mm. if they're by themselves they'll be like okay well if i do this bad thing then i'll get attention from santa santa from like (laughs) the man you know (laughs) psychology child psychology (laughs) (laughs) i don't know um, and we kind of like caught on to this a little bit earlier, but it also teaches kids that they should do things for rewards and not because it's good or, good or bad. Oh, shit. It should be good because it gets you presents and you shouldn't be bad because it doesn't get you presents. Totally. Instead of like, you should do good things because they feel good and they're good to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it can kind of create like a little bit of maybe entitlement in adults mm-hmm. and lower motivation to do good things if you're not personally getting rewarded for it. Which I think that's a deep, is like, very evident <laughs> yeah. in our world right now. Yes, <laughs> I think a that's, lot of people don't like to do good things if they're not personally benefiting from them. And like exactly, some philosophers. Santa doesn't. Santa doesn't exist anymore. So he doesn't. So what's the point if you're, you're not, not going to be presents, rewarded, guys? <laughs> Get over it. Some would argue though that <clears throat> every. I think I learned this in high school that like every yeah. good deed has an intrinsic reward because even yeah. if you like for example if you give money to a homeless person you're not yeah. getting anything back except gratification like you feel uh, good about yes. yourself and so yes. you're getting something back from it yes lydia and i were in the same philosophy class yeah. in grade 12 and yeah. i think about this argument like probably at least once a month like it always totally. comes back to me because i'm always like i can't do a good thing yeah because yeah i do feel good when i do good things right? <laughs> it so, does make me oh, feel good the thesis was that there's like no truly unselfish act of kindness it doesn't yes. exist because yes. everything is like selfish <laughs> even if you're like i'm doing it for someone else and why so would they teach us that in grade 12 because that <laughs> comes back to me all the time i'm like this is this is not that was i can't do a good thing time in our how do lives i do a and, good thing yeah i don't know <laughs> you just have to accept that you're selfish i guess yeah just a little bit but you can be selfish in a way that benefits someone else yeah so why not do both at once you know two birds with one stone yeah exactly we can both feel good so sweet see and that's something that you learn in grade like 12 (laughs) grade 11 (laughs) kids are probably unaware of it (laughs) yeah um and then finally like some kids are literally scared of santa First of all, really, <laughs> the notion of a random man breaking into your house in the middle of the night can be really scary for some children. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. Some children aren't able to sleep because they're like, yo, a stranger is breaking into my house tonight and my parents oh. told me about it. Yeah. <laughs> and God. also, while we're on the topic, 
We need to stop forcing kids to sit on a strange man's lap if they don't want to. Mm. I, in malls, I used to work in a mall. I've seen so many parents force their kids to sit on Santa's lap for a picture while their kid is like crying and screaming. And like, from birth, you teach your child stranger danger, right? Yeah. And then you're like, but sit in the strange man lap strange man's lap like i don't think that's an instinct we need to train out of kids to yeah. be scared of the strange man <laughs> yeah so if your kid doesn't want to sit in santa's lap don't do it yeah i totally agree and i i think maybe some parents might feel like they didn't do a good enough job of showing them that santa is a safe person and mm. a good person and like he's totally fine and like he's the only person that you can sit you, that's he's the only stranger's lap that you can sit on and yeah. so i don't know i i think that you could probably feel like a little bit of a sense of failure where you're like oh damn it i haven't i haven't brainwashed my kid enough into thinking <laughs> that santa is nice and that he's the only stranger that won't hurt you like darn but i have I, to do even, better next time that notion like i feel like is scary to teach into a child that like only santa, one man. santa only. is safe yeah like what if someone just dresses up as santa i was and is an unsafe person. Oh my god! The now kids your are kids run like, right up to him. Pedophiles, if you're listening to this, that's not a suggestion. <laughs> just <laughs> no. It's just a thought. Yeah, that you're if right, you teach though. your child that this person's a safe person, even if they're scared of the person, it could be dangerous. I don't it know. I don't know. Some kids really it enjoy it, and if your kids yeah. really enjoy it, like I'm happy for you. I'm happy mm-hmm. that they do it. But if your kid really doesn't enjoy it, like, maybe don't force them. Yeah. Consent, and it's okay man. to be scared about a man breaking yeah. into your house or not want to hang out with a stranger. <laughs> and Santa I'm normalizes scared. these things. Yeah, he does. That's so weird. And, like, he he normalizes, like, hearing sounds on your roof, like, the pitter-patter oh, of the of reindeer and, like, something, like, coming through the chimney and, like, Maybe if you hear a pitter-patter on the roof, it's like a robber or someone stealing your satellite you dish or something like that. Maybe tell your parents. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> your dad's the one on the roof, like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> mm. All right. And now some pro-lying-to-your-kids <laughs> arguments. <laughs> um, so there's not there's not that many. So one of them is that... You're not lying to them, but you're entering their world of make-believe. And some see it as an important bonding time with your kids to engage Aww. in their, like, world of magic and imagination. Aww. Okay. That, Sweet. That's fine. That's fine. Sure. There's a lot of different ways you can do it, but this is one of them. Okay. I agree. <laughs> I see where they're coming from. Although, like, I don't know. Make-believe can be literally anything. Like, it could just be, like, playing with your Barbies with your kid or, yeah. like doing like those kinds of activities you know it doesn't have to be like this whole grand scheme lie yeah thing. and i also think that like children have really good imagination but they're also aware of when they're like playing with their barbies or like playing house or whatever mm-hmm. that it is their imagination yes they're aware that it's not reality they understand that but when you're lying about santa i personally think they don't understand that because it's coming it's from reality. a parent yeah. yeah, they think it's real because the parents are living in reality with the kid. Yeah, that makes sense. And they get confused and mixed up. I saw this one like parent on TikTok actually that was talking about this. And he was talking about how with his daughter, they've kind of like 
done this but made sure she know it's she knows it's not real they're like oh. hey this is a story that like you know we were taught as a child and we're teaching it to you we're just you know we're gonna engage in it and we're gonna play pretend and we're gonna have fun Aww. And like Santa comes every year, so she's aware that it's not real, but she's still engaging in this like imagination and make believe. And yeah, I think that's, that's like so such nice. a beautiful way to bridge the two, still yeah. maintaining that trust with your child. They understand it's not real, but they're still like engaging in the magic of Christmas. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a really beautiful way to do it. Yeah, that does sound nice. Because as adults, like you grow out of believing in Santa, but you still want to do all the festive things. Like yeah. you can just treat your kid like a mini adult, I guess. Exactly. <laughs> Just let them know it's not reality. It's yeah. not a real man. It's a pretend man. Yeah, I like that. No need to be scared. Yeah. Of a pretend man. That's fine. And then just to kind of settle the anxieties of any parents that are listening, research, research has shown that parents, uh, people whose parents lied to them about Santa, do not have any more negative emotions towards their parents than people who did not get Yay. lied to. So it does not damage a relationship. It doesn't personally damage, like, it doesn't damage a person forever permanently, like, yeah. emotional damage. You know, it's not, it's not <laughs> one of those. damage. <laughs> it's not one of those situations. But I think it is something to ponder. I think it's a weird thing that we do as a society, and I don't, I don't understand why. I think when mm-hmm. I have kids, I don't know if I'll lie to them about Santa. Yeah, yeah. I feel like you probably won't. <laughs> Just probably not. straight up. <laughs> I'll be like, guys, he's not real. You. We got to have like, a talk. Tell them, would you be like, listen, don't tell the other kids in your school that, you know, he's not real. Just like keep this a secret between us. Or would your kids be the ones to be like running around the playground being like, you think Santa's real? You're a baby. No, like I wouldn't <laughs> want them to like ruin other yeah. children's experiences. If like, so be like, keep it a secret. To. Yeah. Like. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know what I'd say. I'm not a parent yet. No, but don't worry about that It's later. always kind of sat weird with me, the whole notion of Santa, especially the whole notion of like the surveillance part of Santa has sat weird with me. I understand the magic of Christmas. I think that part's cool, but the rest of it, it's always been kind of weird to me. And mm-hmm. I don't, I think we could do without. Very good. <laughs> Very <laughs> solid opinion. opinion. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. It is creepy. Santa Claus watching you when you're sleeping, when you're yeah, awake. When you're sleeping, when you're awake, what the hell? I don't know. What to hick? Does he not have other things to do? Like, sure. isn't he supposed to be watching over the elves who are making your gifts? <laughs> Who's supervising them? Right <laughs> They're unsupervised. They're probably on break all day while he's watching. <laughs> no wonder gifts come late sometimes. The elves just didn't have it in stock. <laughs> Yeah, Do you think you'll know. lie to your kids about Santa? Um. Uh, yeah, probably. I think so. <laughs> it's just fun. I think for the first, yeah. like, while I probably will. And then maybe when they start going to school. And, like, I, I kind of would like to be the one to tell them, like, listen. You know, it would be like, it would be like a mm-hmm. your adopted conversation. I'd be like, listen, we still love you the exact same. <laughs> But Santa's but <laughs> Santa is me. <laughs> I I am Santa. I Santa. I robot. I Santa. <laughs> what? I like it. Keep the magic alive, you know? I'll also lie to them about the tooth fairy for sure. Because I think that that's fun. I think it's fun to like sneak in and like put a toonie under the bed mm-hmm. and be like, oh I hope they don't wake up. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, hey guys, so welcome to the second half of the podcast, um, and this is my time to shine. So uh, last night I was reading an anti-feminist book, maybe an anti-feminist, but maybe not, about like dating and about like, you know, how to get the man of your dreams. It was just one of those like, change uh, yourself. Yeah, change yourself to find the man that you want, pretty much. Very not the message that the kids are receiving these days. Very much the opposite of what we are looking for as women. You know, we want to be strong. We want to be powerful, all this stuff. Anyways, it led me down a little bit of a path of like just that extreme of not being a feminist and just being like Mm -hmm. conforming to this extreme manifesto. (laughs) Um, So this section of the podcast is going to be about a piece of writing called the scum manifesto and it was self-published in 1967 by our new queen get to know her her name is valerie solanus and scum is an acronym for society for cutting up men (laughs) get (laughs) them so she's been described get them yeah but also disclaimer before we start we do not support uh, cutting up men violence against men oh no no physical no. violence never. against men never just, violence just a disclaimer. Never. violence violence against men i would never all i do is say <laughs> unless super they mean things no. yeah, exactly <laughs> he ran into my knife five times what are we gonna do <laughs> so Very she's good. been yeah. yeah but that's a good disclaimer don't actually like hurt people you know it's just an acronym it's just, a, just about a better society without men pretty much mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. she's described as a radical feminist right and this is right on track i mean the text reads as a satire but during that time when people were were like this is satire right she was like no this is a hundred percent serious no, I fucking hate men <laughs> yeah literally and then a couple years later she was like yeah it's satire it's satire but i still i i don't i don't buy it i think she was just doing that to kind of like soften the blow a little bit or to Mm i don't know even if it's satire if it's not satire i love it either way and now of course we're going to go through some of the text some iconic quotes some things that stood out for me but before that it's probably worth noting that the manifesto was published in the same year that she shot andy warhol and andy warhol if you recognize the name it's you know that he's like a famous artist and if not don't worry about it he's a famous artist um (laughs) he was also a famous producer and he is well known for his pop art style and there's these this like marilyn monroe picture that he created and it's like four different marilyns in different colors and that's kind of his like claim to fame he also did like this campbell soup thing where it's just like a bunch of different campbell soups in like a bunch of different pop art kind of colors um if you are not sure what i'm talking about but you know the marilyn one like he was super popular super well known um so he actually survived the shooting which is which is good but she did shoot him which is kind of fucking funny but anyways (laughs) i'm gonna try to tell this in like a chronological order so she wrote (laughs) i know what a lady eh she wrote a play called up your ass which was about a prostitute who would hustle men um but she also like hated the men and at the same time wanted to use them to climb the social ladder and Mm. at the end of the play she ends up killing one of the men um so she actually met andy warhol outside of the studio like she kind of got to know his kind of circle and knew when he was coming around she gave him the play and he was like wow this is well typed because i guess typing was a thing so (laughs) in 1967 um like a typewriter so he was like wow type this is typed maybe and he was is like i'm gonna read it they complimented women back in the day she wrote a creative piece <laughs> and you were like well this typed. is well typed 
He, he didn't did a good job hitting point, the buttons. But he was like, good job hitting the buttons. I will good give job. this a read because he put in the work like to hit the buttons and stuff like that. <laughs> so okay. I guess he reads it, blah, blah, blah. A few weeks later, um, she calls him to see how it's going. And he claims that he lost the script. We later learn that the script was extremely pornographic and Andy Warhol has been kind of on the run for releasing like nudie films and his viewings would actually get shut down by the police. So when he read Valerie's script, he thought that it was a trap set up by the police because it was like so extreme. So he lost it in quotations, but he probably just threw it out. She demanded money for the lost script, obviously, because she put like so much time and energy into it. And yeah, exactly. And instead, he gave her a speaking role in his movie that he was producing called I Am Man, and he paid her $25 for it. And I think that was a lot of money at the time because she also got a book deal and she got paid $500. And then she also did another movie with a non-speaking role and she got paid 50 bucks for it. So I okay, feel what, what was the like time money, 1967. Okay, 1967. <laughs> I know, inflation is crazy. We have no idea like <laughs> where money stands. <laughs> to 2021. Okay. But that so was her one dollar in nineteen sixty seven was $8.30 today. Oh, so wow. That That's means pretty significant. Times $200. 200 bucks for a day of work. That kind of makes sense. I did it ex- a day as an extra and I got paid about $120. You were so an extra? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was so an extra cool. on The Handmaid's Tale. Yeah. <laughs> Is this real? I'm serious. I'm dead ass when? serious. How do I not know this? I don't know. Like three years ago. <laughs> I, I love that show. Yeah, I was in it. I got to see the the main actors and actresses do their thing. And most, some of it's filmed in Toronto. It was literally filmed in like the government like square what building or whatever. We walked up and down the ramp all day long. I got to wear the red robes and like the white thing. I'll send you pictures later. Oh my God. <laughs> this is crazy. How have you been keeping this secret? I, don't, I didn't realize it was a secret. What the hell? Okay. I swear to God, I sent you Snapchats. I don't know. Because I was the only one with my phone. Everyone else was like, they said no phones. And I was like, I have a secret pocket. So I took Snapchat. <laughs> <laughs> I swear I sent you them. Hmm. Okay, hey. whatever. I'll dig them up and I'll send them okay. to you again. Don't even worry about it. My one, my 15 seconds of fame. I'm somewhere in one of those scenes. And sometimes people like to send me like scenes from The Handmaid's Tale. They're like, is this you? But like, you can never tell who anyone yeah, is. Like, a hood. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're like, oh my God, is what? that you? I'm what like, season? yeah, that's What me. episode? <laughs> Do you know? Season four. Okay. Um, Episode, I don't remember what episode it is, but um, the main girl is mm. fighting with a black girl and she like pushes her onto this concrete ledge thing and she's mm. like yelling in her face and like that kind of stuff i don't know what else happens it was after a hanging okay and they got into a fight i'm gonna look into that okay okay (laughs) i will find her i will find lydia (laughs) you will find me (laughs) yeah you probably will be able to because at that point i had never seen the show so Mm. and they were just like okay like walk with your head down and like blah 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 and i was like i can't see so i was walking like this i was the only one walking with my head up (laughs) you're like this is dumb yeah why would i walk with my head down Yeah, it was rough. It was rough. And they're like, you can talk a little bit with, like, the people around you, but, like, not too much. I was like, okay. I met some really nice people, but, like, I never got their contact information or anything about them. So I just never met them again. Like, we had a great, like, eight hours, and now they're just gone forever. It's so crazy. If you're listening to this podcast, if you were an extra on Handmaid's (gasps) Tales Season 4. Yeah. uh, I was the girl with the phone. (laughs) 
the only one that could have gotten their information. I know. You were you were responsible for that. <gasps> oh, I didn't even realize that. You're totally right. I was totally responsible. Yep. Yep. Anyways. My bad. <laughs> <laughs> Back Anyways. to your opinion. I'm sorry. <laughs> Anyways. Oh, it's okay. So, um... Let's get into the uh, manifesto a little bit. So the opening lines of the scum manifesto, very powerful. Let me uh, dictate it for you, ladies and gentlemen. Life in this society being at best an utter bore and no aspect of society being at all relevant to women, there remains to civic-minded, responsible, thrill-seeking females only to overthrow the government. Wait, this makes no sense. Okay, there must be a typo in here somewhere because <laughs> anyways. So there remains something. Only civic-minded, responsible, thrill-seeking females. The only thing that those thrill-seeking, civic-minded, responsible females can do is overthrow the government, eliminate the money system, institute yes. okay, <laughs> Love her already, right? Yeah. Institute complete automation so that all non-creative jobs aren't done like we have the technology she had the technology in 1967 to do this shit and she's like why haven't we automated all the jobs yet i don't understand and the last point destroy the male sex so (laughs) she also says um she goes on to kind of explain how men are a genetic mistake and that their y chromosome is actually just an incomplete x chromosome and then she calls men walking abortions and emotional cripples (laughs) And so this kind of part in it, you see why people want to read it as satire, right? Instead of like legitimate stuff. So let's, we can kind of get into it a little bit. This line, I believe, is like kind of a callback to this other existentialist philosopher, Beauvoir. She wrote this like amazing like manifesto slash text called The Second Sex, where she writes about how women have been treated over the years and how they're always put in a position of the other and how like all women are othered. So they're created in what men are not. For example, the word man can mean either men or women. So the assumption is that there is man, and then other. Mm. One is strong, one is weak. And then describing men as like stoic, non-emotional just means that women are no choice but to be like the emotional. And women aren't defined by anything that they're doing themselves. They're only defined in opposition to men. So what Valerie is doing here, I think, in this kind of like entire thing slash in this specific one is just doing the opposite and saying that men are the incomplete ones and not yes. women yes. <laughs> yeah <laughs> right it's so good like the entire thing is so fucking good it's crazy um she goes on to state that it is possible to reproduce without men and that we should mm-hmm. begin doing that as soon as possible <laughs> she says to quote we should yep. produce only whole, complete beings, not physical defects or deficiencies, including emotional defici- deficiencies, such as maleness. <laughs> Being a man is just a deficiency in general. <laughs> <laughs> I know. This manifesto is a lot. <laughs> it's insane. And she actually isn't studied in some women in gender classes because her legacy has gone down as her being like very hateful. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Her writing has been called misandry, which is a new word that I learned, which is hatred That's of, okay. contempt for, prejudice against a man. And it's the counterpart yeah. to misogyny. Yeah. So she's and been up. You know. <laughs> I think also like in a sense, um, labeling men as 
emotionless. I think as we've seen in, you know, the 2020 era is in a way contributing to the patriarchy because the patriarchy is like an oppressional structure that oppresses everyone mm-hmm. and tells men that they can't have emotion and like freezes everyone into these like sex roles. Um, whereas like men should be able to express emotion. Yeah. So I think in that sentence, she is kind of reinforcing the patriarchy in a way. Mm, I, I agree. It's so interesting. I do agree with some of her points, but I, I don't agree with that one. Yeah, yeah. Like, she's saying they're not emotional, so yeah. Um, She was also, also saying so that, emotional. like, the thing... Yeah, she was saying that, like, the emotions that they are capable of, such as, like, mm-hmm. anger... Anger. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think another one was, like, kind of selfishness, insecurity, um, and, like, those kinds of emotions. She's not, like, mm-hmm. 100% she's like that's not it's emotions for sure but it's still like emotionally deficient like you're still missing Uh, the whole other part of you yeah empathy empathy. she basically says that they're not capable of empathy at all (laughs) and like yeah she just goes off basically Mm -hmm. um her manifesto uh was a booklet and it could be sold for well it was sold for one dollar and 250 if you were a man (laughs) you wanted to purchase it to this I know. Is that I so funny? That. I love that so um, much. So she goes on to say, in quotes, that a man, he is trapped in a twilight zone halfway between humans and apes and is far worse off than the apes because unlike the apes, he is capable of a large array of negative feelings. Hate, jealousy, content, disgust, guilt, shame, doubt. And moreover, he is aware of what he is and what he isn't crazy (laughs) and then okay Mm, let's get mm -hmm. let's get into some more she says this kind of um she has like a whole section about sex and about like how men are at fault for like sex existing and then (laughs) also beforehand how like sex is mostly like for men and like Mm -hmm. for their own and they're not capable of like experiencing sex but they're just capable of only like having it pretty much so she says that He is not an empathizer with his partner, but is obsessed with how he's doing, turning it into a performance, doing a good plumbing job. To call a man an animal is to flatter him. He is a machine, a walking dildo. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, no. (laughs) I don't even have the words, I feel like. I'm not in women gender studies, but this is just crazy, right? Like su- calling them subhuman. <laughs> calling them She apes. really did an Uno reverse. I see the Messiah card. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> so since he is incomplete, he mm-hmm. spends he since he is an incomplete female, he spends the rest of his life trying to fuse himself or to become female. Um this uh, one writer and like by chasing women basically (laughs) this one writer shavisa woods um she was like not accepting that this is legit and she was on the Mm -hmm. side of this is parody and here is why she was saying that the scum manifesto is a masterwork of literary protest art but it's often completely misread meaning that people take it literally when they probably (laughs) should not. And she's saying that much of it is a point-by-point rewrite of multiple of Freud's writing. 
And so she (laughs) is that so cool. So some examples, some cliches in Freudian like theory and work is that there are biological accidents. I'm not sure what that is referring to. I'm assuming that he called women biological accidents um, or the incomplete sex referring to women being the incomplete sex. And instead of saying that, she's saying the opposite that men are the mm-hmm. incomplete sex. And then um, yeah. this penis envy thing that he believes that all women want to have penises becomes pussy envy in the scum manifesto. And she believes that all men are incomplete without women and they want to become women. And that there's this mm. philosophy that by touching gold, they themselves will become gold. This reminds me of, there's this like anthropological theory that... You know how there's, like, an obsession around, um, like, virginity and purity for females? Mm-hmm. Is that that comes from a male jealousy of the fact that a female body can create life and create uh, <gasps> humans. And males can only create things. They can only, like, you know, material things where female bodies are able to create lives. Ooh, that's so, so cool. they use virginity and purity as a way to control and be a part of that system because then they can be like if you have to be a virgin to be married, you know that the child coming out of your wife has to be your kid. Because when a female yeah. has a baby, they know it's theirs. When a male has a baby, there's like a little bit of uncertainty, so yeah. by controlling the process they can be a part of the the oh life making. Oh my god. That's so crazy. Yeah, this it's directly related. Like later on, she goes on to say that like men are, um, they've kind of like put on motherhood onto the female because that's what they imagine that they would want if they were female, which I guess is kind of in relation oh. to like if they were able to give life, then like they would probably want to be a mother or something Thank like you, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess so. <laughs> they can just be a good father too. Yeah, right. Um, Something else kind of interesting to add to the satire, another layer of satire, is that Mm -hmm. the Society for Cutting Up Men is actually an acronym created by her producer, a man, intervening, putting his patriarchal mark on something, and the original publication was just scum, with no periods in between or anything like that, and the acronym... Um, the explanation for it is nowhere in the text. Like she just uses the word scum to like talk about a group of women who are going to like kind of take over the world and like all this kind of stuff. But the acronym was never in existence until so the, the male producer. The I guess so a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the man wants to cut up the men. Yes. Yes. Well, that's okay. fine. They're the going to be sympathizers. Wants women to want to cut up men. Yeah. Yeah. Because he okay. realizes and he acknowledges how disgusting he is. Nice. We love love a self-aware man. I know, right? (laughs) So this word scum is used as a text in reference to a certain type of woman. It refers to the empowered woman. So dominant, secure, self-confident, nasty, (laughs) violent, selfish, thrill-seeking. All these women who like have free wheeled to the limits of the society and are ready to wheel onto something far beyond what it has to offer. Very nice. So they were also saying, she was also saying that men are responsible for a lot of bad things in this world. And one of the bad things that they're responsible for is work. There is no human reason for money or for anyone to work more than two to three hours a week at the very most. And this is what I was saying at the beginning, too, about not all non-creative jobs, particularly all the jobs which are being done now, like almost every job that is necessary is creative, could be automated for a long time ago. And this was in the 60s, guys. This, this is what we've been saying. Years from now. I know, right? We've been like, why are we still doing this? It's exhausting. Um, so 
But the problem is here that in a moneyless society, everyone can have like as much of the best as everything, but there are non-human male reasons for wanting to maintain the money system. Okay. Mm -hmm. And the first reason is pussy. Money, power, and status makes him more appealing, can draw in the females with the myth that touching the female will maybe make him become more female. The second is delusion of usefulness. (laughs) I'll just let that sink in. (laughs) That is like the best of any use. (laughs) Because it's kind of true. Yeah, I know. If in the nuclear family, the <sighs> woman is st- to stay at home, take care of kids, man is to go to work, make money for family. If there's no money, what is man to do? <laughs> man doesn't barely do anything. <laughs> uh, and like later in the manifesto, I don't think I wrote this down, but I remember it. She was saying that like men aren't actually like capable of loving their children. They're only capable of approving of them. And being like, yeah, oh, that's, that's like a, that's like sweet. Blah, blah. I know. I was like, ah. Well, she, um, maybe I should have said this in the beginning, but she has some daddy issues. Um, <laughs> I could sense that a little. <laughs> okay, good, good, good. <laughs> um, so also leisure time terrifies the male, whereas like women have a lot of stuff to do, a lot of hobbies, and we want to engage with mm-hmm. each other, we want to socialize, and we, we want to like wanna chill and enjoy emotionally life. and chill and be leisure. Men. Yep. Like, they can't do it. They're scared of leisure time. They feel like they need to be useful. They need to do the hustle. They're literally the propagators of hustle culture. Crazy. Third one. Yeah. uh, Power and control. That was self-explanatory. I didn't write any explanation. (laughs) Fourth one. um, It's a love substitute. So because men are not as willing to feel love and to Mm -hmm. be loved and all this love, love. They substitute it with gaining money. money unconsensually. I guess you could say that money is being gained unconsensually. <laughs> you just have it. <laughs> and then you have so much money. Yay. Makes up for the lack of being able love. to love. Yeah. The fifth one is to provide the male with a goal. Since he is incapable of enjoying the moment, a male needs something to look forward to. <laughs> I like this idea that, like, money has been created to, like, it's almost like a pretend game with a child. Like, we're just giving it to them (laughs) so that they feel like they have something to do. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You Oh, you have a goal. There you go. There's your goal. And us, like, females are just out here chilling. We're just like, yeah, go, go make money. Yeah. Go, go make go the money. It. It's okay. Go make your little money. Go out. get your little colorful money. Yeah. <laughs> I know. And we're just like idea. we're living for the deeper things in life, but the men are like Truly. money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So something she talks about here a little bit. Um. It's kind of interesting because it's a little bit opposite to what our current views are on like mental health and looking for happiness not really mental health but more on the aspect of like searching for happiness right so she says that happiness exists and likes outside of yourself and it's achieved through interacting with others so self-forgetfulness should be your goal not self-absorption the male capable only of (laughs) self-absorption makes a virtue of irredeemable fault and sets up self-absorption not only as a good but as a philosophical good and thus he gets credit for being deep (laughs) 
kind of interesting but also the opposite of what we're being told right now which is about reflecting yeah. on yourself happiness can only be found in yourself and not in anybody else and you can't rely on anybody else for your happiness but she's like your happiness can be reliant on other people like i feel happy when i'm hanging out with courtney when i'm doing the podcast i enjoy it i'm having a good time you know <laughs> like i, I like if the idea like going off of her idea if men are only in her in her manifesto mm-hmm. this isn't a statement on real life if men are only able to be like self-absorbed i wonder if she's kind of if there's like a uh women give and men take kind of philosophy in this sense yeah, i think so Whereas maybe that has been translated in today's day and age of you need to focus on yourself because if you give, someone might take and not give mm. back. Whereas like that's not a positive situation. But for example, like if this podcast, we both give, you know, yeah. we're, we're both, like, both vibing and having fun. But if you're giving mm. to somebody who's taking, then it's like bad for your mental health. So maybe yeah. it's been translated into you need to focus on yourself. But if everybody was giving, then maybe we, we wouldn't need to focus on ourselves. Yeah. If the society if was without. only females, <laughs> then maybe. That's what I was saying without saying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let me just uh, translate that for you guys. <laughs> so in the end, she um, says that after the elimination of money, there will be no further need to kill men because they will be stripped of the only power that they have over the psychologically <laughs> independent females. Rational men want to be squashed, stepped on, crushed, crunched, treated as the curs, the filth that they are, and have their repulsiveness confirmed. That's a rational man. He knows his place in society. Oh my god. Ah! I love this like so feminist crazy oh, capitalist thing that was it's going insane. on. She was ahead of her time. Yeah, she totally she was. Ahead was. Of her time. Oh, it's crazy. Or these things have been in play for so long and they've never been able to break the surface because capitalism is just that strong. Like, (laughs) ah! So So maybe the fear of communism is actually just a man thing. A fear of being useless. Yeah, exactly. There's no no finances. If there's no gains, what am I going to do? There's no goals. What am I going to do? How am I useful? If I'm not competing. What do you mean? How will I get the girls? <laughs> Holy shit. The girls don't want you. <laughs> Have emotions. Have a personality. Yeah, seriously. Fucking idiot. <laughs> Walking dildo. <laughs> oh, what a burn. What a fucking burn. Oh, it's so good. Um, That's all I'm going to yeah. tell you guys about the manifesto. Those were kind of like some main arguments, but do go read it if you get the opportunity. It's pretty short. I, think I will. It's kind of like, it's kind of the same length as, actually, it's shorter than the Communist Manifesto. Also, why don't people make man- manifestos anymore? I never I hear that know. word. <laughs> I it's like it a lot. Vibe. Manifesto. Right? Love it. <laughs> so, yeah, definitely check it out. Valerie Solanus, Scum Manifesto. 10 out of 10 would recommend. So, in the end, she says that, um, oh, sorry, I already said that. So, after all of that, <laughs> let's get back to yep. kind of her life. Okay. The shooting whole thing. So, that was her manifesto. And then she shot Andy Warhol afterwards. So, yep. She gets a role in Andy's play, um, the second one that she was in, where she got $50. Her producer gets her to sign a contract that he will produce the next books that she writes and the next works that she writes. And he'll give her $500. And she thought that this was a conspiracy with Warhol to own, censor, and suppress her work. 
So what she did was she went she to his studio, him. armed, <laughs> Marka. waited for him to show up, rode the elevator up with him when he did show up, shot three times, tw- missed the first two, and then the third bullet went through his lungs, spleen, liver, and esophagus. Don't ask me how that's possible. <laughs> That's so many places. She fucking Are those all in a line? Good. I don't know. I think it must have been like an explosion or something like that. Or like an angle. Yeah, maybe an angle. Maybe he was like already kind of going down to dodge the first two bullets. And then Mm -hmm. she managed to get him on the third one. Yeah, something like that. I know. Insane. So after the shooting, the producer was like begging her to leave because he was like, he's going to die. Like, you got to get out of here. And she did. And then she turned herself in to the police. Andy Warhol Mm -hmm. had a five hour surgery. He was pronounced dead once, but came back to life, lived another 19 years. Holy shit. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Right. But his whole life, he had to wear like this support corset for his abdomen because he just couldn't hold it up himself. I know. <laughs> I know. But probably Fucking mission uh, mission achieved for Yeah. For, she probably felt yeah. pretty good about it. <laughs> yeah. Probably. So she turned herself in, as we know. Mm-hmm. And um she wanted to represent herself in court, but they deemed that she wasn't able to represent herself in court and they she sent her to get a psychological evaluation. Nice. She was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. And she is that spent what the feminism next... is being called these days. <laughs> I, I apparently, apparently, I know. I was so disappointed when I read that. I was like, "That's okay. some bullshit." If I ever heard yeah. it, like you guys, uh-huh. <laughs> they, um, the court said that she was insane, and that's kind of like you know how you can do insanity. You can plead insanity instead of guilty, not guilty. Yeah. And yeah. she was just like, "I'm guilty. I did it, and I'm proud." And they were like, "You're insane." Fuck yeah, I love. Her. <laughs> I love her. Yeah, she's awesome. And she spent the next couple of years, three years, um, at a hospital center for her mental health. And then she was also in prison for a little bit for, like, assault with a weapon. Um, And then when she got out, she was a publisher for a Women's Liberation newsletter. And she also wrote a book. And um, just kind of a quote to end us off with from Miss Solanus. Um, Someone had asked her if her manifesto was meant to be taken literally. And she said, I don't want to kill all men. I think males should be neutered or castrated so they can't mess up any more women's lives. <laughs> and thank her. you, Valerie. Such, an idol. <laughs> Such an idol. I know, right? Such an idol. Like, oh, God, I love it so was, much. Like, while you were talking, I was, like, so shocked by the things that you were saying, like, that she was saying about men. And then as I was thinking about it, I was like, these are all literally things that have been said about women. Yeah. Like, forever. And she's just flipping like, I'm it around. So I'm so shocked when you say it about a man. I'm like, that's awful. Like, how could you think that? But, like, this is literally, like, the dialogue about women that happens yeah. every day. Like, we're lesser than. Like, we're just walking vaginas, just here for sex. Like, useless. Ob- objectified. Deficient. Objects, like, we have no yeah. rational reasoning. Like, it, like crazy. Like, <laughs> unable to do anything just, when they're PMSing. The like, constantly going through, like, hormonal imbalances. There's so many jokes blah, blah, blah. about wanting to, like, punch and kill women. Like, Violence yeah. against women is a fucking joke in our society. It's a fun thing to do. Yeah, literally. That's such a good point. I saw <laughs> this video of this preacher the other day, and he opened up his sermon with, like, a joke about women. Like, the god came down and was like, I will grant you one wish, like a genie. And this guy was just like, I would like you to build a bridge across India, because or across the Indian Ocean, because I want to see 
blah, 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 blah. And God was like, that's too much work. What else do you want? And then the man was like, hmm, I would like to understand my wife and I would like to just be the best husband to her. And God was like, how many lanes do you want? One or two? And that was the joke. That was the, that was a joke because you can't understand a woman because she's insane. Is that fucked? <laughs> day to day. This is a modern day preacher. Like modern day guys. Uh, like this guy was just, oh man, I know. So here's, here's a lesson for any man that was listening. That was like these, this is awful. I feel, I feel attacked. Mm. I feel degraded. I feel worthless. I feel like these people don't care about me. This is awful. <laughs> really, really think just about that. In your mind. Yeah. <laughs> really think just about think how you're feeling and try to experience some empathy maybe. Mm. I know if that's hard. <laughs> uh, almost impossible for some, according to the manifesto. But, oh, maybe maybe I would like to add, too, that mm-hmm. she's a big supporter of gay men because they are, like, they're not reproducing. And they're just, like, they're they're just doing their own thing. She's, like, she's like, we love the yeah, gay I men. Normally, like, they're a part I of... I normally assume that, like, hate towards men is towards, like... Um, cisgendered straight men. 100%. Yeah, that is normally the assumption. assumption. Everyone else is fine. Yeah. <laughs> just really don't like the cisgendered straight men. No. They all suck. <laughs> men are stupid and I don't, I respect, don't respect them. them. So, yeah. Interesting stuff. Um, you know, it really, like, brought me back into reality that, like, men ain't mm. shit. And maybe, like, mm. reading these, like, books about how to make yourself better for a man or, like, how to, how to uh, make... How yourself desirable to men for- it's just not worth your time men no. are defective they are disgusting we don't and they are lesser than women we literally don't need them i'm speaking partially for myself and for solanus honestly so because I, I agree sometimes i agree with some of the things she's saying but then sometimes i'm like that's a little mean <laughs> that's a little crazy <laughs> a like little they're far. still human <laughs> God, is this we how like men some feel? Of them sometimes. Is this how men feel all the time? I'm fucking revved. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm on top of the world, Love man. degrading people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that brings us to the end of the episode everybody thank you so much for listening and thank you so much for tuning in thank you for listening to courtney's opinion about how maybe we shouldn't lie to our kids about santa and maybe it's a little damaging in a couple of different ways (laughs) let's rethink this in the next generation and thank you for listening to my discovery about the scum manifesto go read it you're gonna love it (laughs) it's fantastic (laughs) and if you want to see more of us you can find us on instagram at very.unimportant.people you can also email us with any music or anything that you want to be included in the podcast and we can share it with the rest of the fan base at haterscliccare at gmail.com and that's h-a-t-r-s clickhere at gmail.com you can also find us on patreon patreon is where we post video segments of our podcast we record in the video that get cut out and then we yeah and then we have a bunch of segments that get cut out of the real one little tangents little conversations that we had all this kind of stuff plus there's a highlights reel you get to see our faces when we make hilarious jokes and um yeah totally worth it four dollars there's 60 weeks of content up so (laughs) you can binge it all if you want to (laughs) Um, so check us out on patreon and you can find that through the link tree in our instagram 
And also you can find us on Twitter at V Unimportant PPL. And you can find us on TikTok. Definitely go check out our TikTok. Oh, I just remembered I haven't posted in a couple days. Go check out our TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> totally worth it. It's a it's a fun time up there. We love it. Leave us some love. And that's all for this week. Have a great. <laughs>